just leave a field to breathe for a while. And that sense that for all of us, we in our lives, in our routines, whether it's weekly, monthly or annually, to sort of have a fallow time of, of just being device free, of being uh, clutter free and, and just sort of being. Power to live more with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Joanna Lamb. Joe is a third sector writer, researcher and PR specialist, currently working for Mission Aviation Fellowship, MAF, the world's largest humanitarian airline. Joe has a passion for storytelling and experience in fundraising, campaigns and generating media coverage for small charities and NGOs. Her drive to make a difference in the world has led her to write moving stories which inspire action both in a freelance and full-time capacity. Travel, photography and community action projects also drive Doro to explore and respond to the world's many needs which have seen her meet and showcase the complex lives of many fascinating people at home and abroad. Jo recently published her first book, Above and Beyond, an illustrated history of MAF's life-saving air service. Based in Hythe, Kent, Jo has an interest in sea swimming and recently completed a 75-swim fundraising challenge for MAF to raise awareness and funds to mark the charity's 75th anniversary. This endeavour positively impacted her physical and mental well-being during a season of tight lockdown restrictions and living besides the English Channel brings inspiration, encouragement and energy to the life of a busy working mum. Winter sea swimming is now part of her daily routine, releasing much needed positive endomorphins to kickstart her day. Jo has two children aged two and four and also finds daily encouragement from prayerful meditation, running and preparing fresh meals shared around the table with her family. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Jo Lamb of MAF. Welcome Jo, thanks for joining me. Hi Jo, from one Jo to another. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so start by telling us who you are, what you do and crucially where you do it. So I'm Jo and I work for a in an organisation called Mission Aviation Fellowship MAF and it's a humanitarian airline. I'm based down in Kent, not a million miles away from, from Jo herself, down um, near the sea, uh, just outside Folkestone, where we've got a, a headquarters for MAF. But actually, the organisation works in 26, 27 developing countries across the world. Um, so it's got a sort of a fundraising headquarters 
headquarters and a comms headquarters here in Kent, um, but actually operates internationally. So I do uh, PR and comms and uh, love writing, done lots of sort of work in the third sector in, in fundraising and in copywriting. So I'm really passionate about telling a story, really, and getting people to uh, to act and respond on behalf of, um, you know, their their uh, philanthropic um, desires. And uh, it's really real privilege to have been part of this organisation, which has been running for 75 years now. So last year, 2020, was the 75th anniversary of MAF, founded in the aftermath of World War Two, by a handful of uh, Christian airmen and women who thought. There's loads of planes everywhere. Um, they were used to uh, destroy, but can we use them for good, for peace, and to actually rebuild the world a little bit, which had been devastated by war? So some fantastic uh, years of service around the world, just flying humanitarian aid and personnel, medicine, and uh, relief workers to very, very, very remote places that are hard to reach by land. So that's kind of what the charity does, and I uh, do PR and comms for them. And do you usually work from their office or are you uh, at home um, normally? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually, I work at the moment part-time. I've, I'm a mum of, of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So I'm, I'm working three days a week at the moment. And usually mm-hmm. I would be based in the offices. But yes, yeah. since the pandemic, we've all been mm-hmm. working remotely. And who knows if that's going to be a kind of ongoing theme of our lives. It's actually... Yeah can be very handy as a mum who's got a school run and and lots of things to juggle actually having a a bit more of a flexible home working and family balance um, balance life it's it's quite quite easy and we've got used to it now so who knows but I do definitely miss the interaction with uh, with colleagues especially in quite a creative role when you're when you're planning campaigns and you're planning um sort of um messaging and um, strategies it's really difficult to do that remotely and also I I wrote a book uh, last year as well which was a little bit of a group effort with some other colleagues of mine but I sort of led on the project and it was really difficult to get the whole thing pulled together on zoom screens (laughs) and trying to look at proofing and 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 choosing images and and layouts and spreads and things that was real challenging project Mm. to do remotely Mm. So I think once life gets back to a bit of more normality and who knows when it will be fully normal. Yes. Um, a bit of uh, interaction with face to face is certainly something that I well. really <laughs> Yes, yeah. It was a bit of a blast from the past when we got in touch about the the podcast because uh, um I don't know listen, most listeners won't know I used to run uh local magazines and uh one in the the town where we both live and uh i remember doing an article about maf so i saw it and thought hang on i know who they are why do i know so i had to go googling or searching in my emails to find an email to tell me who they were to then work out how i knew them sort of thing and uh so it's um it's been you know a good few years since since you were in my uh in my space if you like um uh, but I remember then when we did the article I don't know if it was to commemorate something in particular but it was you know I'd never heard of you and you know I haven't really thought much in between times to be honest and to hear that you're you know having that impact across so many countries from our little neck of the woods (laughs) it's really impressive yeah it is amazing it's actually a, a bit of a 
um, an untold secret, really, especially mm-hmm. for in Kent. And um, it's really my job and my mission to to get that um, to get that name out there, yeah. to get the uh, the cause known. And and lots of people will have heard of the partners we partner with. Over two thousand organisations. We've got the um, WHO and the United Nations and the Oxfams and the Tier Funds of this world, and many of the relief workers and the humanitarian specialists and the vaccine clinics that want to operate in uh, the middle of nowhere there's literally no other way of accessing those remote villages without an MAF plane because lots of the places we operate there is uh, rainy seasons during a lot of the year in Africa particularly and um, parts of Asia um, roads just become completely impassable Um, and so it's it's really uh, a vital service to get the the help that people need um to where they are yeah 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 so tell us more about how you got to doing this um I often say you know and I was having in fact a discussion about this only yesterday with uh, a friend about how the fact that we you know we often talk about businesses uh, sorry jobs in the future not being what they are now but you know, most of the people I talk to on my podcast are doing jobs that I'm sure they didn't plan to do, <laughs> you know, back in the day because they didn't exist then either. So I don't think it's a new thing. Um, you know, what did you do before? How did you end up becoming who you are now working with um, the the charity that you're working with? Well, I was all, um, I guess, by accident. I, I stumbled into the third sector. Um, I, I kind of took a while. I travelled for a, for three years and, and I studied art and design and then I did a politics degree and I thought, oh, what can I do? And I actually uh, met my partner, funnily enough, who's from Folkestone and I came down here and I got a job, a little, a little tiny uh, charity based in Ashford and, and did a bit of training in, in fundraising and, and really got really fascinated about the third sector and I think started to become quite passionate about using my skills and my talents in to to make a difference really mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that's that, that um a, a corporate environment is something I wouldn't uh, want to, to try and experience in the future but certainly I get an awful lot of fulfillment out of working for charities and um, seeing the difference they can make in people's lives and actually um, there's a big argument isn't there to say that every single penny of the pound that's donated to charity needs to go directly to the cause um, but still um, still people do expect that charities are treating their staff well which means they need a good HR department and people expect that their adverts are really powerful and catchy and so they need a really good and creative comms team and you know they want to know that the stories they read about the work that's being done are are powerful and impactful which means research trips and all the other things it's almost like running a charity is like running a business but also you've got to be changing people's lives so I really feel passionate about putting my skills and talents into that sector and trying to do it as professionally as possible and with the excellence that is needed now to be um sort of at the front forefront of your field which we all want we all want to be as good as we can be and improving and innovating and challenging the status quo and I very much believe that charities are at the at the forefront of doing that as much as any businesses and we've got to come up with constant new ideas and constantly facing challenges in in finance and of course the pandemic has hit us very hard as well in many ways Um, but it's it's a privilege really to be a part of something 
that's that's bit that's beyond just me and my and my life and my bread on the bread and butter on the table and and you know my family so it's good to know that what I do makes a difference Mm -hmm. and before we start I ask if there's sort of specific questions to ask you and one of the questions you suggested was about um how does an awareness of the humanitarian and charity sector drive your daily life and decisions and you know that's sort of a leading question for me because I know you've got something big to tell us about that you've done as a result of this but (laughs) before we or you know as part of getting to that tell us a bit about how that you know affects your life and, and what you do and why you're doing what you do. Yeah, I think um, actually, you know, the the COVID season, which is really will have shaped shaped our life and will continue to shape it. I'm I'm thinking for for maybe months, years to come. Um, it's it's really narrowed our world down so much. It was amazing to me that you know I was trapped almost inside my four walls um, with my kids knocking around and you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other and get through each day and um, I just really loved being able to come to work and and realize that there was a military coup in Myanmar or that there was a measles outbreak in South Sudan or there was you know life-threatening floods in Uganda that weren't cutting through the headlines many of these stories that was you know that were dominated understandably by the COVID uh, pandemic I think it's it's very important to understand that there are issues and there are challenges and there are there's illness and there are needs um, beyond our own economy and um, so I personally just just kind of like to feel a bit connected to the bigger picture really Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that I know a lot of people are passionate about doing and I've got quite a few friends actually who started out with um, sort of city jobs and and doing um, doing things with big businesses and maybe accounting um, or or marketing or PR and they're actually really desperate to change to a third sector job just because they realise how how narrow your vision can be when you don't realise what's going on kind mm. of outside mm. of our, our world and we are incredibly privileged to be where we are and I'm not saying that I don't love the home comforts that we can enjoy and you know feel very very grateful for my my home and my family and and my culture where we are here in in Kent in the UK but I do think it's important to be able to a um, explore and research but also one day we can hopefully travel again but yeah. to visit some of these places and I've done some some mission trips been very privileged to be part of um a church actually locally that's very active in a couple of nations one of them is Burkina Faso I've been out there to build a school um, with a team from from our church there was about 30 of us all together that raised um, raised over half um, about 50,000 50, uh, first trip and about 30 the second to go and build a house yeah. and a school for, for uh, in a village where there was literally no education um, and similarly another project in Mexico building houses and it's it's yeah I think it's just really good to be able to immerse yourself in yeah. other people's poverty and come away I was listening actually to a podcast the other day at the um the CEO of Habitat for Humanity was saying, you know, his role is 
incredibly important and he's overseeing teams of thousands I think they've got about seven million volunteers worldwide and they work in 70 countries but yet he still feels it's so important to go actually visit these grassroots projects and experience um, on the ground what people are going through and I and I would I would almost guarantee that you go on one of these trips and you will be overwhelmed by joy which is something that we can't often fully grasp when we have so much but yet joy when you have so little um, is so authentic and powerful so it's we can learn an awful lot from people that live with very little I think yeah yeah absolutely so let's talk a bit about the sort of big thing that you've done in relation to the charity and so on on top of what you've already said you know you're you're locked down uh, with two (laughs) under fives (laughs) <laughs> and doing a job um you know of such importance and and yet you took on um a massive challenge tell us more about that well as i mentioned last year so 2020 was the 75th anniversary for for maf's operations and I was I was gutted really we had to lay down an awful lot of plans that we had we were hoping to do a big event in London and we've got various campaigns that had to be put on hold and I had helped lead a project a book project and did um, a lot of the writing on that book and we would have promoted it and sold it on in a lot of face-to-face events and I thought do you know what it got to November it was really chilly and miserable Christmas was looking like it was going to be pretty chilly and miserable (laughs) and I thought I just need to do something to get word out about this amazing charity to talk a bit about my book and so living very close to the sea I decided to take on a 75 sea swim challenge um, so it was the first of November tried to get 75 sea swims in um, before the end of 2020 so that meant more than once a day during November and December there was actually a campaign called the seven and five campaign that the MAF launched um, towards the end of the year trying to get people to do things 75 times or run seven miles five times a week or something like that and so I thought do you know what I can do this I can do something um, a bit crazy to raise some awareness and uh, to just sort of challenge myself I guess yeah so, <laughs> so I'm loving the, the fact that you said oh it was a bit you know dark and dingy and cold and then and then your solution to that was going swimming in the sea wow. <laughs> and, and my my question as well is were you wishing it was only the 25 year anniversary at any stage <laughs> Oh, I must admit, there were a couple of days where um, it was it was just the conditions were 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 not very favourable. It was it was windy, it was raining, and it was pretty bleak. And those days, I think we probably all look will look back on those lockdown winter days, and we'd never fully realised how quickly the light goes and how late the sun comes up, and it just felt dark all the time. <laughs> So, yeah, it was definitely challenging, but it, but also I think it, it became actually a little bit of an addiction. Um, I really, really looked forward to it in a, in a crazy way. And yeah. um, especially some, some mornings, just being able to watch the sunrise, freezing cold, but absolutely beautiful and glorious. And it's, I know that it's built momentum, not anything, anything to do with me, but actually the momentum of sea swimming, yes. both in Kent and around the UK, I know has, has massively increased mm-hmm. um, since the pandemic and people have, have, have found huge health benefits from it. Yes, uh, yeah. physically and mentally. So I can certainly vouch for that. Yes, it's, it's supposed to be very good for well-being and particularly sort of mental health, hasn't it? I remember 
who did I see? Was it um, was it Dr. Chatterjee? Did he do something a TV program um, where he was helping people with ways other than using you know drugs and all the sort of traditional or perhaps traditional is not the right word the mainstream ways of treating yeah and he got somebody to go swimming um every day for yeah definitely I've heard I've heard of him promote it and and people like Reverend Kate um Kate Botley that does lots of radio too and yeah and and obviously she's very well known but she's she swears by it as being something that keeps her going so it's certainly um becoming yeah. more popular and it's just so fortunate to live where we are 10 minutes yeah. from the sea so yeah. I think if I had to get in the car and drive to go reach the shoreline it would be a huge um barrier to getting or, in or worse than that having to drive a long way to get home after you get out and you're freezing absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I've been vicariously watching things like that because one of my friends sea swims a lot here and he posts it on Facebook so I just you know watch the posts <laughs> I don't really do cold or water, so I'm not really cut out for it, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> You should try it. Start in August, and before you know it, it'll be Christmas, and you'll yeah. even realise that the sea has actually dropped in temperature by about um, eight degrees. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, well, I think I think October is the warmest time. Um, yeah. My, yeah. my husband sails, so he's, uh, he's always telling me that uh, it's mm. warmer by the end of the year, before it gets to the very end of the year, and obviously, as you say, then it's... <laughs> Yeah. Lots, February February is around six. That's I think that's about the yeah. coldest. Yeah, yeah. So such an amazing achievement, and and sounds like it's it's created a, a new sort of hobby generally, rather than it just being about the seventy five years. Yeah. So I did my final swim on um, New Year's Eve. It was a real moment, actually. It was a wonderful because I I sort of dreaded, you know, that last one and wanted to get a bit of video footage and, and, you know, popped open a bottle and it was New Year's Eve and it had been an awful year, 2020. We just wanted to see the back of it, really. And I thought, oh, it's going to be blowing a hoolie and I'm going to drag the kids down and they're going to be crying. (laughs) But it turned out to be a glorious sunset and it was quite a touching moment, I think. I actually remember that for a long while uh-huh. um thinking it's that yeah it's been a real it's been a real privilege and and quite life-changing for me in a sense that it's given me something to focus on it's it's given me a bit of me time I'm sure mm. there's plenty of busy working mums out there that just find that that they struggle to find their thing that they yes. can do to escape to get a bit of um sort of health and mental um, replenishment and for me it doesn't take long especially in the winter gosh I'm only in for sort of five minutes or so um but it really does make me feel amazing afterwards and it's so healthy and I'm not saying I don't consume unhealthy things like wine (laughs) and gin and tonic which I definitely do but knowing that I've had a sea swim sort of makes me feel better for those things yeah (laughs) so tell us a bit more about how you get done what you get done I mean as we said now's a different time with the um the pandemic and everything else but um you know how do you manage getting your work done doing the things that you need to do looking after the children you know making that break between work and home and all that sort of thing yeah yeah and no, it's a good good question I'm, I'm up very very early my my two-year-olds um anytime from five-ish so I I always feel that if I if I'm up I I, I try to do some exercise first thing and quite often that'll be me in front of a a, <laughs> a workout session on my on my iPad in the kitchen, nothing, nothing um, very uh, impressive really, but sort of 
doing one of those and and then going jumping in the sea when the sun rises and by sort of seven o'clock I'm feeling like I'm ready for the day um definitely productive time for me is first thing so I it sounds very silly but I quite often like to use my slow cooker I try and plan ahead for the evening I know by five I'll be done for especially if I've been up since before 5 a.m so getting something in the slow cooker getting a, a bit of exercise done and um being able to have a bit of headspace I, I do like if I can grab some time for a bit of prayer and meditation as well that always helps it's not always possible sometimes it's with CBBS on in the background which isn't entirely peaceful <laughs> um, but definitely I find those those early those early hours um, if you can grab them um, when it's not too life isn't at such a fast pace I find them really important for me to to get my head around the day and um, sometimes actually the night before I fall asleep with a bit of a mental list going around my mind of you know, what, what have I got on the day tomorrow so I'm I, it's sort of still there like, going around as I wake up <laughs> so you can get to those things yeah, um, yeah. fairly early and um, what about some um sort of technology to-do list calendars all that sort of stuff what sort of um tools are you using well I'm quite I'm quite old-fashioned when it comes to to apps and you you sort of asked me about this before we chatted and I was racking my brains if there was something really cool and I can't really tell you a like really cool new thing that I do um one thing I find I know I do quite a bit of running as well and and people use various running apps to log their their progress but I'm a real, I'm really, really a quite a competitive person. And if I was to publish or post online, either my, my exercise, my tasks or my calendar, and other people could see it, I know I become really obsessed and addicted to it. And wanting to sort of be faster or do better or go go further and so I've actually I know that for myself I need to to keep things quite simple so that it doesn't take over so I find the old pen and paper approach for me it's quite personal I like it to be personal I like it that I can just I can look at it and it's not online and it's not in the public domain which so much of our life is these days especially with social media so old-fashioned written lists and I'm actually a bit I'm a bit sad sometimes I write down things that I weren't on my list that I've done so that I can tick them off I don't know if anyone else is out there that does that (laughs) yeah I add I add to my list (laughs) in common with many of my guests you use pen and paper and in common with also many of my guests you tick, write things down that you've already done to tick them off. I do the same. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just so satisfying, isn't it? Um, and it makes you feel great at the end of the day when you look at all the things you've done. And most of them weren't the things you were set out to You're do. To say, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't I can't confess to having anything super snazzy and and digital, but I I do yeah I do like a diary and a calendar and a and a pen and paper list. Yes, yeah, lovely. Tell us a bit more about the the writing of the book. Um, you said that was quite hard with being locked down and, and on Zoom rather than face to face. What what was the sort of process that that you went through? Yeah, so the book was commissioned before COVID was a thing, and I sort of started 
research information gathering stage when I could still speak to people and have access physical books and files and 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 MAF has got a really amazing archive of some footage taken from back in the 40s 50s 60s from some of the early pioneers who flew those uh, rickety planes into lost jungles so incredible stuff really and thankfully I was able to gather a lot of the early information for the book it's a historic um, account actually the book it's called above and beyond and it's an account of 75 years of MAF and it looks chapter by chapter it kind of covers each decade of the uh, of the airline's work so started probably about a year um, in total from start to finish so just before uh, lockdown was the beginnings of the book and then and then lots of the writing was done from home which in a way was quite good because that's it's good to be able to I, I I do a lot of writing and I and I always need um, you know real quiet place to to concentrate and get in the zone and I actually ended up doing quite a lot of my writing in the evenings sort of mm-hmm. late into the night is when I found that I would be most um, productive in those in those particular projects um but yeah it was over just over a year in in total that it took to write and and finally get the get it um to press and it's it's actually a an illustrated um book as well so there's loads of amazing photographs in there it's a it's a coffee table book so um, lots of stories and information but also some amazing pictures just sort of amazing views from tiny plains of jungles and swamps and mm-hmm. um, deserts and places that you could never really fly to in a in a easy jet plane <laughs> <laughs> nor would you want to probably <laughs> no but there were a couple of times when I I sort of thought oh I know there's a picture and it's of a lady and she's in a red dress in Bangladesh and it was taken about 20 years ago and there's that person that I could have just walked around to their desk and and they had it as their screensaver and I could have said oh where, where's that photo saved <laughs> and when we were in lockdown it was like sometimes finding a needle in a haystack looking for particular images or um, particular people to give quotes and and contribute to the book it it was it was more tricky for sure and but definitely a sense of achievement now that it's done yeah absolutely it sounds really exciting and it sounds like a a really sort of lush book with all that history in there and as you say the photos and Mm. all that sort of unusual um unusualness of it I'm not sure that's the right phrase but you know what I mean (laughs) yeah it's great to be able to flick through and if it's a an organization you don't know a lot about you could spend five minutes with a coffee just flicking through the pictures and you would you'd learn an awful lot without reading a single word so that was the idea that it would be visual but also really inspiring and informative at the same time Mm, yeah I'm thinking mother-in-law mother's day present or something yeah. like that actually. yeah good idea good Thank idea that sort of thing so yeah sounds like a good plan <laughs> it was nice as well to promote it during lockdown because um, I know Amazon and online shopping was what any it was it was the go-to so, and it and yeah. it was a lifesaver for most of us, us at Christmas yeah. time yeah. Um, I, I heard quite a few people saying oh I just wish I could shop local and I wish that I didn't have to give all my money to you know yeah. huge online giants and so when it was Christmas 2020 and I was frantically swimming in the sea I was saying well there is this book you can get and it's local and I wrote it and all the money goes to charity all the proceeds go towards MAF and they and my bless her my mum was amazing I think she bought about 20 copies and all her <laughs> friends were saying how good it was to buy something that wasn't um, 
yeah. delivered on Amazon and yeah. you know produced produced yeah. outside the UK. So yeah, it was nice. Yeah, that was brilliant to hear. So what about um, learning and improving yourself? I don't know that you've got any time in all of the things you've just told me, but <laughs> how do you? Oh, <laughs> well, I do. I do love a podcast. I must say, uh, it's it's amazing. Actually, it's the first one I've been able to be a part of, which is a privilege. But I oh, do good. love a podcast. I like to run and listen to a podcast. So. Um, you you mentioned Dr Chatterjee yeah. earlier um I like his feel better live more is a good yeah. one um Brené Brown quite a fan of hers she's got mm. one called Unlocking Us which is an interesting conversation on various topics that she sort of specializes in mm. and one which is it, it was it was a from a few, few years ago now um, it was called Fight, Hustle and End Hurry. And the idea of it was about getting clutter and, and excess away from your life and some really quite um, radical suggestions about um, kind of having one day in a week where you'd have no devices. And there's a sort of ancient tradition of, of having almost like a fallow year. So you'd leave a, a field if yeah. it had been planted, you'd leave it fallow for a year. I know I think Glastonbury might do something similar when you just leave a field to breathe for a while. And that sense that for all of us, we in our lives, in our routines, whether it's weekly, monthly or annually, to sort of have a fallow time of, of just being device free, of being uh, clutter free and, and just sort of being. And maybe the pandemic's brought that for some of us, which mm. we just had to strip back back mm-hmm. so um yeah I think looking forward to starting things a bit differently maybe making life a little bit simpler having family at the center um and and yeah more reading um more swimming more exercise mm-hmm. things that are quite simple and, and easy yeah. to do from home yeah which has definitely been a blessing yes no I like that I think the irony of course with, with the lockdown is that a lot of us have done decluttering but there's nowhere to take any of the stuff oh yeah I know that room <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> full of charity shop items yes exactly I was googling the other day trying to find places where you could sort of you know take stuff or get rid of stuff at the current time because people must need it we just don't have yeah. a sort of way to get it to them yeah I sometimes get charity bags through the door and I've done this thing once where I left a massive bag on the doorstep and it said it had Friday or something whatever it's written yeah. on there yeah and it was still there when I got back <laughs> I didn't come and collect it so I don't know whether I got I probably did the wrong thing and had to phone a number or text them or something and funny you should say that we've got one in our porch from a similar scenario so maybe they just didn't come around that day <laughs> I know I know <laughs> but I did find one final I think the British Heart Foundation will will pick up or something but it's only like bric-a-brac and shoes and right. some other things I did a bit of googling and there are a couple of options I think that we were going to look into and of course there's the clothes banks at the supermarkets those are still yeah. available yeah. We've done a yeah. as well but yeah other than that it's just piles of all our decluttered stuff and there's also the option if you can be bothered with it is the old you know facebook marketplace and i've yes. managed to i've benefited hugely from a few of those uh, sales my daughter's going through that stage that wonderful <laughs> four-year-old and all she wants to wear is a princess dress and the two that she had were so so <laughs> stained and 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 <laughs> dog-eared that i went on and got a couple more for a fiver which means we've got about three more on rotation <laughs> 
<laughs> As she's not in school at the moment, she's got her home uniform with it yes. with the princess crown, and so it's a ne- definite necessity. I think that's a yeah. I think that's a win for her being able to wear that to school every day. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She'll be sad when she's got to go back to her normal grey grey pinafore. So, last couple of questions. Firstly, what about on those days where it goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with those days? Oh, I don't deal very well under stress. I must say, I think. Um, if it was a professional setting, I would. I definitely am a believer of a long. They say sort of maybe go, you know, go make a tea or make a coffee, but you inevitably bump into that person in the kitchen who gets chatting, and it might be okay to take your mind off it. But I, I'm really sad. I used to just go for like a really long loo break, or or even just go out and walk around the block. I literally would just need to be alone with my thoughts and sort of reason with myself, mm. and get myself back into uh, the right frame of mind mind quite a lot of self-talk self-talk helps quite a bit for me it might not for everybody it might they might just need pure distraction and to to start something completely new but for me it was just being on my own I think and that has been hard during the pandemic when we've Mm -hmm. all been locked inside particularly with young children it sometimes feels like there's nowhere I can go in the toilet yeah 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 or go in the bath and shut the door um but I think that's where the sea swimming has helped is it's kind of getting out and getting that headspace that I've needed every day which has been really good if only if if only it was more than five minutes (laughs) oh I know yeah when the weather gets warm nice and warm in the middle of summer then it will be lovely to have a little sun sunbathe as well at the same time yeah and the last question I think you've answered some of this as we've gone but um you know those days where you get to live more and that's where I say you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those days look like for you um definitely being outside I mean particularly with the age children I have uh, bless their little hearts during the awful bitter winter I still drag them out every day with their little red noses (laughs) and we splashed in puddles and we got really muddy but do you know what I think that that is more important than than I said the the princess dresses got wrecked but I really loved it I loved seeing my daughter jump in puddles in unicorn wellies and a princess dress and I love not being too worried about being muddy about being a bit chilly or being tired and I think for me being outdoors and for as long as I possibly can it makes a huge difference mm-hmm. um to being feeling like I've achieved in a day um if I've learned something new that's a big achievement doesn't often happen <laughs> um that's a big achievement and I think put, you know so much putting, <laughs> oh I'm not sure about that but also putting putting a nice meal on the table I, I mean it's not something I do every day I mean I, I can't confess to be one of those super mums that you know has blended their own purees from day one um, but I think when you know that you've you've done a home-cooked meal and and the kids have eaten it nicely and they've been outdoors and you've you've touched base around a table that for me is is a real win um doesn't happen every day but it's it's wonderful to think that you're instilling some of those really good habits in your kids while they're young and hopefully they'll take them on and into their future too yeah I try and cook with my kids too they're really young and they they throw stuff everywhere but you know we put a slow cooker on with a spag bowl in the morning and got tomato puree up the walls but at least they've been able to see how the process goes sounds great fun lovely thank you so much Joe. it's been so interesting talking to you tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch and get the book and you know all that sort of stuff yeah so mission aviation fellowship is maf-uk.org 
Um, there's various different MAFs. So you, if you just Google MAF, you'll probably land on the US website, which is slightly different from us. So it's MAF UK, which is where mm-hmm. we're based. And the book is called Above and Beyond. So it's MAF-UK forward slash above and beyond. And that's a, just a really beautiful history of the organisation and some amazing stories of, of how little planes have changed people's lives around the world. So I'd highly recommend a little look at that. And um, my Facebook name is Joey Lamb. So you you can see some of my um, crazy antics with the kids in the muddy puddles, probably <laughs> mostly on there. Maybe a, a, an inspiring quote or two every now and again. And I've also I set up a just giving page for my swimming, and it's kind of kept going and it's building a little bit. So um, that's uh, that's Jerry Lamb seventy five swims um, on a just giving page that you can search and look for that. And um, any proceeds goes straight towards MAF both for the book and for the swim challenge too. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Joe. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to speak to you. Attention, home-based coaches and consultants. Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership programme and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 212, then you'll find them there. And this week, my topic has been self-care tips. And at the Power to Live More Calm Gold Members Call this week, we talked about our individual self-care tips. And the biggest one that came up actually was about having a morning routine And we talked about the various routines that people had. And it's interesting, you've heard me talk before and on many of my podcast interviews about the fact that I'm a night bird. I don't get up early (laughs) and uh, all these sort of get up at five o'clock in the morning and do all these things before you start work um, to set yourself up for the day and all that sort of stuff. Um, It's really not for me, certainly not at five o'clock in the morning. Um, And even getting up later in the morning as I do, I... I guess I sort of take longer to come to and get used to the world. (laughs) And um, so I do have routines. I do have self-care sort of things that I do, but they're not the same as the uh, sort of five o'clock miracle morning stuff. You know, it's um, I might have a bath or I might read my book um, or do a bit of organising in my office or in the house or whatever before I get to my first call or the work I'm going to do from 11 o'clock. Not to say I don't work before 11, but uh, if I do, it's, it's, you know, whatever sort of crops up at that time that I need to do. It's not pre-scheduled work because I purposely schedule my day from 11. Uh, But it's interesting, you know, sometimes I think people think that in order to have a morning routine that sets you up for the day, you've got to get up early and you've got to have it really structured. And 
I think that can be really helpful for people and obviously many people find that helpful. But I think as I say in everything that I talk about really, all of this stuff is so individual and it's really important to get really clear yourself on what works best for you and you know tweak and change and and do things differently if what you're doing isn't working or isn't quite working or if it feels a bit off but you know get really clear on what you need to do whether that be in the morning or in an evening routine we also talked a bit about how you close off your day and one of our members was saying that she tends to do work in the evening and um, she was sort of lamenting that she felt like she was sort of working too hard and she shouldn't be doing that and one of the things that I said to her was you know are you enjoying it does it feel right uh you know are you feeling like you're missing out on other things um if you don't you know if it feels like this feels like the right thing to be doing then you know don't worry about it the fact that many people don't work in the evening doesn't mean that you can't or or shouldn't and and okay I'm I'm biased because I work in the evening too because of my night bird tendencies. But, um, you know, as I said, with all of this stuff, all the productivity stuff that we talk about, it's so much about personal requirements, so much about, you know, what works for you and not necessarily doing what other people say. So, you know, by all means, use other people to give you ideas Um, get tips, get ideas, and then try those things out, test those things out for you and work out whether they give you more energy, whether they help you to focus better, whether they help you to get things done more than you would do normally, or whether it's the opposite. And obviously, you know, as I say on a regular basis, do more of the things that work for you and less of the things that don't. So think about your own morning routines, your own evening routines, and think about if they're working for you and if they're not why not and which bits feel uncomfortable and look at what you can do to change them so that you have a routine that works the best for you and that's just for you not for everyone else just for you again the show notes of this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 212 and we look forward to speaking to you next week use your power to live more